Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for how sweet your love truly is, and may we appreciate it, and may that be demonstrated in every aspect of our lives. I pray in your name. Amen. So I want to tell you about some exciting news. We got a call from our bank this a week ago, Friday, and they told us that, that someone, they just, I guess, love Christine and I so much, they want to donate 80, or donate, deposit into our bank account 86,400 pennies a day, every day for the rest of our lives. That's $864 a day, $6,000 a week, $315,000 a year. I've never seen money like that in my life. Now, now, I didn't figure that out on my own. I had to use a calculator. I'm not very good at math. But I think that's what it comes out to. Now, when I, when I talked to them and I figured out that this wasn't necessarily a hoax, I got really excited and I texted Christine. I said, hey, we got some planning to do. Because there was, a, there was a catch to it. They said, whatever you don't spend of the 86,400 pennies that you receive in a day, the $864 a day, is going to be reversed back into the account that sent it to you. So you have to make sure you spend it all. And so this past weekend, last weekend, Christine and I worked on a plan on how we could spend $864 every single day. And I just kept reminding myself, if you don't spend it, if you don't use it, you lose it. If you don't use it, you lose it. So have a plan, Chad. Have a plan. Now, of course, that would be nice if it was true, but it is a parable. <laughs> to illustrate a reality that is in all of our lives. Someone that loves each and every one of us very much every single day deposits 86,400 seconds into our bank of time. 1,440 minutes, 24 hours. And the stipulation that, 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 that is in the story is actually in our lives. Anything that we don't use, any of the minutes, any of the seconds, any of the, the, the time that we do not use purposefully and intentionally within the scope of a day doesn't get carried over into the next day. We can't say, well, you know, I misused that time, and so I'm going to now take that time and use it on tomorrow. Or I didn't like the way I used that time, so I'm going to take those extra seconds and I'm going to put them in tomorrow. There's no such thing as a 26-hour day, although maybe some of us wish there were. There is, there is a 24-hour day. And, because, and many of us, because we have no plan for how to use those 86,400 seconds, lose them to nothingness. I know that I do. Maybe some of you do as well. Over the next three weeks, we're doing a series in which we are going to look at being good and faithful stewards of the things that God gives us, particularly three things, our time, our talents, and our treasures. And so open your Bibles with me to the book of Matthew chapter 25, Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse 14. Just prior to these words that we're about to read, Jesus has, has been talking about how to be ready for the end of times. And now he's talking about uh, how we are to prepare, how we are to use the things that he gives us in preparation for the last days. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 14. 
For it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Now, let me just warn you before I get too far into this, this parable ends a bit rough, which is evidence of how serious God takes the things that he gives us and how he expects us to use those things. A man goes on a journey and he entrusts some people with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He would receive the five talents, went at once and traded with them and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he would receive the one talent, went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had one talent, came forward and saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, I give it back to you. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew what I reap, that I reap where I have not sowed and gather where I scatter no seed. Then, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming, I should have received that what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has been given, who, who has will, more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And then the hard ending. And cast the worthless, the slothful, the one who misused the talent, servant, into the outer darkness, in that place where there is much weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable is addressing all that the Lord gives us and how he expects us to use those things that he gives us for his honor and for his glory and for his kingdom. Now, some of you may think about this parable and think, well, this parable is about money. This parable is about the talents or the skills that I have. This parable isn't really about time, pastor. Is this, is this some pastoral license? You know, pastors sometimes do that. Is this some pastoral license that you have taken on this parable? Well, I, I thought that about myself too. So I wanted to verify and do a little double checking. I went to this little book called Christ's Object Lessons. It's written by a very uh, inspired lady, Ellen White. And here, listen to what she wrote about this parable about this parable. Our time belongs to God. Every moment is his, and we are under the most solemn obligation to improve it to his glory. And now listen to these last two sentences. Of no talent he has given will he require a more strict account than of our time. The value of time is beyond computation. I can tell you how much value is 86,400 pennies. But what I read there is that I can't tell you the value of 86,400 seconds. It's beyond computation. It's without measure. So how do we spend our time? 
How do we spend our time? If we are like most in the first world countries, Canada, United States, most Western European countries, in a 168 hour week, we spend on average 56 hours sleeping. Some of you may say, I wish I got 56 hours of sleep. We spend 56 hours sleeping. We spend 30 hours on average at work. Though according to Inc. Business Magazine, the average desk worker, the average white collar desk worker only contributes two hours and 53 minutes of productive work to their employers. What are they doing the rest of their eight hour days? Well, one hour and five minutes are on news websites. If you're going home and you're saying, I do not like my job, it might have nothing to do with your job. It might be that you're looking at the news too much. That'll depress you. 44 minutes is spent on social media, 40 minutes discussing non-work-related matters, 14 minutes texting, and then everything else, a menagerie of things, smoke breaks, coffee breaks, walking around in circle breaks, doing nothing aimlessly. (laughs) But people at least are on average at their works, at their white-collar worker, 30 hours a week. So we sleep on average 56 hours. We're at work on average 30 hours. That leaves us 82 hours in a week. What else are we doing? Well, if you're a parent, according to a study just done in 2019, if you're a parent, you spend roughly eight hours a week directly engaged in activities related to your children. Eight hours a week. All of us spend about seven hours actually eating, seven and a half hours taking care of things around the house, yard work, cleaning the house, other things. And after all of that, we have 59 and a half hours in a week. And that 59 and a half hours, and we'll break it down even a little bit more in a second, but that 59 and a half hours is where I want us to focus in light of Jesus's parable in Matthew chapter 25. I want us to think about those 59 and a half hours that we have and ask the question, if Jesus were to look at our 59 and a half hours, would, would we hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. You have cared for little, and now I will give you much more. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If our time and leisure is spent like the average Christian, not just American, the average Christian, and as I look at my own time in my own life, if I think about it, then, then I have to be honest and say, I don't know that I would hear those words in regards to how I use the talent of time that God has given to me. The average Christian is spending about two hours a week exercising. We need to exercise more, folks. We have a health message. We should exercise more. We're spending two hours a week just relaxing and thinking. I think that's good. Maybe we could even do a little bit more there. We're spending on average five hours a week talking and engaging with friends. That's good. If you're not in a connect group, we'd encourage you to go to the table afterwards and sign up to connect with people even more than that, even more than five hours a week. But according to this research and Barner research, we're spending one hour a week in prayer and Bible study combined. And on average, about one and a half hours a week in relation to something involving the church We're spending on average seven minutes a week helping others, proactively doing something of service for others. Seven minutes a week. But the average Christian 
the average Christian is spending 22 hours a week watching TV, playing video games, doing social media, browsing their phones. 22 hours a week. So maybe we don't just look at the 59 and a half hours. Maybe we break it down even further and we say, okay, let's look at the 22 hours under the light of Jesus' statement and see if they would receive such a commendation as well done, good and faithful servant. Let me again confess, my, my, my time would struggle under such scrutiny, but, but I want God to help me to do better. By his strength, by his grace, I want to do better. So, so how do we do better? Well, well as, as followers of Jesus, we, we make a choice, first of all, that we're not just gonna be Christian by name. Remember this whole year we're talking about being true disciples of Jesus, not simply being Christian by name, but actually looking like the one we are following, Jesus Christ. And so the thing to do is rather than just focusing on maybe where we're not doing as well, we take our eyes off of ourselves and we look towards Jesus and we say, okay, what did Jesus do? And, and, and how am I spending my time in relation to how it seems that Jesus spent his time? We know that Jesus slept like us. The Bible actually has references to Jesus sleeping. So we know that Jesus slept as we sleep. He ate like us. He often ate with other people. And we'll, we'll get back to that later on in a moment. But we know he ate like us. I believe that Jesus worked. I can't prove that he worked after he started his official quote unquote ministry, but, but I think he might've still worked. If you think about all that is written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you compiled all of that together, you realize that only actually tells us about a few months of Jesus's life. So, so there's three and a half years even of his ministry there. But, but Mark chapter six and verse three tells us that Jesus was known as a carpenter. And so people knew him as someone who had worked in the carpentry industry. So we believe that Jesus, or I believe that Jesus worked just as Paul worked. We don't hear anything about his work other than he was a tent maker. Jesus, we know, spent a good deal of his free time traveling from place to place. He exercised uh, uh, some have, have figured it out and he walked in, his, in the last three and a half years of his life over 3,000 miles. So close to 114 marathons in three and a half years. Pretty, pretty incredible. But what did he do with those maybe 22 extra hours per week? And that's what we want to focus on. And we see in the Bible some ideas of what Jesus did. Jesus spent a lot of time, it seems more, a lot more than less than an hour a week in Bible study and prayer. I'm not going to go through all of these. Some of them are listed in your bulletin, but you can write down others if they're not there. But Matthew chapter 14 and verse 23, the Bible tells us that Jesus, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when it was evening, he was there alone. So in other words, he was there for some time. His disciples came to him. Luke chapter six and verse 12 tells us that it was at that time that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray and that he spent the entire night in prayer. So he spent hours and hours in prayer. Mark chapter one and verse 35 tells us that in the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house and he went away to a secluded place and he was praying there. And then when his disciples finally woke up later in the morning, they got up, they saw that Jesus wasn't there. And so they came to find him. He was there for hours before sunrise into the early day, spending time in prayer. Luke chapter five, verse 16 tells us that Jesus's habit, his, off, his habit was to often slip away to a quiet place and pray. 
Jesus, I think, spent probably more than just a few minutes in a day praying. Jesus studied the scriptures. Now, we don't have an exact text that says Jesus studied the scriptures for exactly one hour every day. We don't have an exact text that says Jesus, you know, journaled through the Psalms every morning. Uh, Some of you all might do stuff like that. We don't have an exact text that tells us things like that. Uh, Dayton right now is journaling through some scriptures. Pastor Lerone sent some of the, uh, sent the kids home a journal thing and Dayton's been doing that. We don't have exact texts that say Jesus did this, but, but we do seem to have evidence that Jesus must have studied his Bible a whole lot. In the book of John chapter seven, there is a, a story where Jesus is, is teaching the Bible to some people. And then John moves the camera from Jesus talking to the congregation and they're whispering amongst themselves. Maybe you've done this when you've heard the pastor say something. What, what's he talking about? You know what he just said? No, I have no idea what he just said. Just keep going. Nod your head and smile. So, so maybe they, they, he switches the camera over to the congregation. The congregation is whispering amongst themselves and they say, how does this man so, know so much about the scriptures when he hasn't studied? And they weren't saying there about him not studying the Bible. What they thought in their minds was if he has not gone to one of our rabbinical schools, there's no way he can learn the Bible in this way. But, but there's evidence there just in that statement that, that Jesus had spent so much time with the Bible that he knew the Bible better than those who had gone to the rabbinical schools, better than those who had been, been taught their whole lives to teach people the Bible. He knew the Bible better than that. He had spent significant time in that. His knowledge of the Old Testament was encyclopedic. According to my count, and you can double check me on this because it might not be exactly accurate. It might be uh, uh, maybe a couple even short. But according to my count, what I came up with is Jesus, in his own words, directly references the Old Testament 46 times. 46 times. One paper I read uh, from Liberty University stated that that one out of every 10 of Jesus's words, the red letters that we have in the gospels is a reference to the Old Testament. That that knowledge that he had of the Bible wasn't part of his hard drive when he was born. Lord, God didn't say, well, I'm gonna put in Jesus's brain uh, an advantage over everybody else and I'm gonna hardwire in that knowledge into his brain and like a robot would do and we're just gonna start it up and he's gonna know it all. No, Jesus, just like the rest of us, had to learn the scriptures and study the scriptures and and read the scriptures to understand them to a place where people said, man, how does he know so much about the Bible? So obviously Jesus spent more than just a few minutes a day reading the Bible. Jesus also spent a lot of time, a third thing Jesus did is he also spent a lot of time helping people and trying to make their lives better. So what we talked about last week, if you weren't here, you can watch it on our YouTube channel. We talked about bearing one another's burdens. And Matthew chapter eight and verse 16 tells us that 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 at evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. In Matthew chapter 14 and verse 14, the Bible tells us that when Jesus saw a great crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. And then immediately after this, the disciples say, hey, send this crowd home. Send this crowd home. They need to figure out a place to eat. And Jesus says, no, don't send them away. We'll feed them. And of course, then he performs the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And the Bible tells us that that they ate and they all were satisfied. So Jesus is taking care of their physical needs. When the sun was setting, Luke chapter four and verse 40, all those who had, had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him and he laid his hands on them, every one of them, and healed them. 
Jesus was consistently using his time in those extra 22 hours of his day to make others' lives better. To make other lives better. A third activity that Jesus did with his time was to tell people about God and his kingdom. He witnessed with his words. As I've said in the church, and I'll probably say it many more times because it's one of my pet peeves, one of the, my least favorite quotes in all of history is the one that sometimes people like to use. You might have heard it. Thomas Aquinas, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Ah, I don't like that statement at all because the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, preach the gospel and use your actions and your words. Always the Bible says this and Jesus models, us, models this for us. So Jesus spent time, his hours through his actions demonstrating the love of Jesus, but then he also, his love, but then he also talked about the Father's love and the Father's kingdom, the Bible tells us. Matthew chapter five, verse one and two. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain and when he sat down, he called them to him and he opened his mouth and he began to teach them. Luke chapter 11, verses one and two. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Again, here's an example of Jesus praying. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And so Jesus began to teach them. This then is how you should pray. And of course we get our father, which are in heaven and the model there. And finally, the Bible also tells us that Jesus liked to hang out with people. And in those moments when he'd hang out with people, just be friends with them, he, of course, would elevate and, and lift up the time with others. He would talk to them about his mission, about God's kingdom and about their lives. And oftentimes, and this is why I said we come back to this, this was done around food. In Mark chapter two and verse 15, and as he reclined at a table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. Luke chapter seven and verse 36, one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And so Jesus went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at his table. Luke chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and there was a woman there, there named Martha. And she said, come into my house. And Jesus went with her. And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down because we're going to hang out today at your house. We're going to hang out. Jesus was always spending time. He was taking some of those extra hours to spend time with others. Jesus spent his time eating and sleeping and working and exercising like us. But then he took whatever hours were left and he prayed and he studied and he lifted people's lives to help their lives be better. And he spent time talking to people about the kingdom of God. And he spent time just hanging out with people and enjoying fellowship with others. He spent time fellowshipping with others. And oh, by the way, Jesus gave some of those extra 22 hours also to engaging in activities at the church. Luke chapter four and verse 43. And Jesus was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Mark chapter one and verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he was teaching. Luke chapter four and verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus did all these things, did all these things. We are called to be disciples. That means that we are called to look and to live like Jesus. If we live like the average Christian, like the person who says, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus in the United States, and we live to be 80 years old, and some of you have passed that already, and God bless you, praise the Lord for that. But hopefully the rest of us all make it there. We're Adventists, I think we're supposed to. 
Remember what they say, Adventist women live 11 years longer. Adventist men live seven and a half years longer. Adventist pastors die younger than all the rest of you. So that's, that's what they say. But if we live on average 80 years and we live like the average Christian in the United States, we'll spend only a quarter of a year studying our Bibles and in prayer. In fact, the thing I referenced a few years ago in a study was about how kids nowadays are spending less than 15 minutes a year reading their Bibles. Christian kids. And I just read this week a new thing uh, 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 that came out of, out of actually England that kids are only reading 4.2 minutes on average a day that is not required for school. It made me so sad. It made me so sad. But we'll only spend less than a quarter of a year in Bible study and prayer. If we live like the average Christian in the United States of America, we will spend half a year in church attendance. And by the way, that's if you lived 80 years old, and that's if you go to church for at least one hour, 52 weeks a year for 80 years straight. We'll live less than a quarter of a year actively bearing the burdens of others, as I talked about last Sabbath. But here's the sad thing. If we live like the average Christian in the United States, we'll spend 10 and a half years on our screens. Ten and a half years on our screens. When Jesus looks at the time that he gave us, the gift of time, and he comes to us, is he going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm glad you spent a quarter of the year studying the quarter of your life, a quarter of one year of your life studying the Bible. And you spent 10 years on your screens. I don't know if that's going to get a well done, good and faithful servant. And again, I'm challenged by this probably as maybe some of you are. I was challenged by this. I'm challenged by this out of the mouth of babes. The Lord speaks to us. My son, Levi, nine years old, has been bothering me. He said, Dad, let me set a code on your phone so that you can so that I can turn off your your uh, some of your things so you can't look at them regularly. And so I finally let him do that. Uh, this uh, just a couple weeks ago. And this week I had him do it on my iPad too. I said, well, I realize I can just go from my iPad, hide that from him and go out there to the, I mean, from the phone to the iPad. So I said, hey, set it on this too, buddy. And so he set a code on there and literally five seconds after he said it, it goes, oh no, dad, I forgot. I said, well, that's okay. Isn't that the point that you don't remember? I don't remember. And then I can't look at those things more than 20 minutes a day or whatever it is. But out of the mouth of babes. So I couldn't look at those. But folks, I'm challenged by this when I, when I read this and when I thought about this is how do we use our time? And this, these words that I long to hear from Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. If you're like me, you might want to do better. So here's what I want to challenge you to do this week. Think about some area of your life and say, okay, I'm going to reduce that in order to give more of that time to Jesus in some capacity, whatever that is. And I would encourage you, put this in your phone now. I know I just told you not to look at your phones. Oh my goodness. But some of you already have them out. I can see things out here. Uh, so so put, put it in your phone right now or write it on a piece of paper. Put it, say, say it to your spouse so that you can, so that they can see it. 
so they can help hold you accountable. But, but we're saying to Jesus, Jesus, because you died for me, I want everything that you give to me to be used for you. And you give me 86,400 seconds of time each and every day. And I want those to be used for you and for your glory. So many people say, oh, I don't have enough time. In a way, we're saying there, Jesus, you don't know what you were doing when you made 24 hours. You don't know what you were doing when you made 24 hours. Before we say that statement again, let us step back. Rather than saying, I don't have enough time, saying, how am I prioritizing my time? Am I prioritizing it in the things that Jesus prioritized his time? He slept, he ate, he exercised, he worked. But then as he looked at the rest of his time, he studied, he prayed, he looked to make others' lives better. He hung out with people. He talked to people about himself and about the kingdom of God. And he hung out and did things with the church. Let's analyze our time, not in light of the world or what is satisfactory, but let's choose to be true disciples and analyze our time and our priorities by the time of Jesus and how he spent his time. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, by your grace and by your mercy, we want to do better with our time. I know I cannot be the only one in here that recognizes that my time is not used in a way that glorifies you and honors you. I know that that even hearing such a message can be a burden actually being placed upon us. But Lord, I challenge us not to see it as a burden, but to see it as an opportunity to to reevaluate. And then to trust in the one who gave us 24 hours a day to help us to live those 24 hours each day as you would have us to live. Or we're not going to do it by our might or by our strength or by our will, but, but as we look to you, Jesus, and every day we say, Jesus, here is my time. Do with it as you please, Lord. I believe we can grow. We can look more and more like you each day. Lord, if there's something in our lives that is occupying more time than it should, I pray that you'll convict us even right now to give that over to you. If there's some of these things that were your priorities that have not been our priorities, Lord, help us right now to, through your power and your strength, to surrender to you and to allow you to do with our time as you would see fit. Lord, I pray that each one of us here will take this seriously, just as serious as the parable taught it, that the talents, the things you give us are to be used for your honor and glory. And may we all hear those words when you come again. Well done, my good and faithful servants. You used your time wisely. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.